Amen. As we continue in our current series, Healed, how many of you have been blessed by this series so far? Amen. How many of you have been blessed by this series so far? Amen. I want to continue to share and to talk about a few things. Amen. Some things that are hard to talk about sometimes. Some things that are hard to confront and deal with at times. I want to talk about some things concerning love, broken hearts, and relationships. Amen. How many of you have experienced disappointment? You don't have to raise your hand. I'm sure everybody has. How many of you have experienced a broken heart? Amen. We've all encountered or experienced this type of pain due to relationships, fallouts, miscommunications. Amen. But sometimes we make the mistake of holding on to the pain. Sometimes we tend to live with the pain and we just accept it. And because we go about our daily lives and we don't see that the pain is causing any more convenience than what it already is, we just learn to live with it. I don't want to live with pain. I don't want to live with a broken heart. And I got good news for everyone that can hear my voice today. You don't have to. Amen. You don't have to. Because God can heal a broken heart. And God is the only one that can mend a broken heart and restore a relationship. Amen. So as we get into this, if you have your Bibles, amen, if you could turn to John chapter 11, verse 1 through 5. Amen. And this is where we are going to take our thought from today. Amen. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus. Lazarus, excuse me, of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister. Amen. And it was Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. We give you honor. We give you glory, Lord. Lord, we ask you, Lord, to open up our hearts, open up our minds, Lord. Lord, that you would speak to the brokenhearted today, God. That you would speak to those, God, who've experienced and are still experiencing disappointment and grief, God. Lord, that you would begin the healing process in someone's life, God, in someone's mind, Lord. Lord, in someone's relationship, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Lord, because you are great. Lord, and you are good, Father, Lord. Lord, and you are faithful, Lord. Lord, we ask you, Lord, all of this in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. As I just mentioned, amen, not, there isn't any single person 
Amen. There's not one person in this room that hasn't experienced some type of heartache, broken heart, as a result of a, of a relationship. And I'm sure that someone has experienced one of these things or possibly all of these things. Giving ourselves to relationship is not an easy thing to do. It takes trust, commitment, honesty, and time. But what happens when the relationship ends badly? What happens when the trust is broken? And what happens when the commitment fails? When you were lied to, when you were mistreated, amen, and time was wasted. All you are left with are bad memories and a broken heart. There is no remedy for a broken heart, no prescription, no amount of medication can heal or mend a broken heart. The majority of society would suggest to find someone new, involve yourself in a brand new relationship. You don't need time to get over it. Just jump right back into it. And maybe that new relationship will help you for, to forget the old one. But the problem with that is when you have two people who are broken that come together, eventually someone is going to get cut. Because hurt people hurt people. The pain of a broken heart is real. And if not resolved, it can leave a damaging impression and an outlook on what love truly is. Now, I'm not speaking from a mountain that I haven't climbed. I'm not speaking from a valley that I haven't cried in. I know what I'm talking about when I'm telling you that a broken heart is painful. When someone tells you that they are suffering from a broken heart, believe them. It don't matter how crazy the story is. It don't matter how wild the relationship sounded like. What matters is that they're standing in front of you, hurting, broken. The pain of a broken heart is real. And if we don't confront this and if we don't deal with this, it distorts what love truly is. Amen. Because Jesus himself, he views relationships. He, he views them in a very, very important uh, point of view or very important way. Because if he did not, he would not have commanded it so. In Matthew 22, 37 through 39, he says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. How do you love someone? How do you eventually love someone? By getting to know them. Through relationship. It is impossible to connect with someone or to have some type of connected, connection to someone without relationship. Relationship is so important to God that he commanded it. Amen. The same love that he describes that we should have for our neighbor is the same love that nailed him to the tree. The same love that he expressed 
amen, when he was hanging on that cross and he said that he had you and I on his mind, it's the same type of love that we should carry, show, and express when it comes to our neighbor. Someone say amen. We tend to mask this love. And eventually, we become more concerned with the quality of our relationships and the appearance of our relationships when we should be more concerned with the quality of our heart. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see a man as a man sees, for the man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. We must understand that the quality of our heart will reflect the quality of our lives. Proverbs 4.23 states, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. We all know someone who's always upset or who has a negative output or might have a negative opinion on everything hey i got a promotion today oh man i'm so happy for you but man you've got to you got to work long hours is isn't isn't your boss i mean people don't really like him do you really think it's worth it you and you're standing there thinking like geez you, you could have at least said congrats and walked away right these people are not bad people. They're grieving in their heart. Something's wrong. There's pain inside that they're not willing to or haven't, or haven't dealt with. The quality of your life will, re will reflect the quality of your heart. Masking and hiding might make it easier to deal with, but eventually you have to confront it. Falsifying your heartbreak can cause you to seek false remedies. This is why people go from broken relationship to broken relationship. They seek alternative ways to cope with the pain, to cope with the disappointment, to cope with the heartbreak. They start to believe the pain that their heart is speaking. Jeremiah 17, 9, 10. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind. Even to give every man according to his way, according to the fruit of his doings. Only God can search the heart and see the past deceit and pain. Only God can search the deepest parts of your heart and listen to your secrets. Only God can search through, hallelujah, the pain that is hidden inside of your heart. Only God can mend and heal a broken heart. Today, I want to touch and speak on the subject very quickly, heart to heart. As we take a look at Mary and Martha and John 11 in the scripture we just read, we find that they experience pain and separation of their brother, Lazarus, because he's sick and they are fearful or fear of him dying. The heartbreak is a result of a death of a relationship, the feeling of rejection when they approach Jesus the feeling of being alone and disappointed. The overwhelming feeling of exhaustion due to the tragedy of losing their brother. The key to healing from it all and having a heart-to-heart -heart with God. 
How do we deal, or excuse me, how do we heal from a broken heart, a broken relationship? Well, let's find out. Our first point is we need to understand that we must go to God. Someone say, go to God. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Now Mary and Martha made a, a conscious decision. They, went, they had to go to tell Jesus about their brother Lazarus being sick. Now, in the midst of their pain, their fear of their brother dying, their fear or the agony of watching their brother lie there sick, amen, with no answers, no remedy, no medication to give them, in the midst of their sadness, they had to make a decision. They had to go and tell Jesus. They had to get up from the, where they were and go to tell Jesus, to tell him that their brother was sick. Now, we find ourselves in situations such as these or such as this when we are hurting, amen, and we're home, and we know what the answer is, and we know what we have to do, and yet we sit there because we're in pain. We're hurting. We're suffering. The sun is shining outside, but we got a rain cloud over our head. Things are not okay and things are not well. And so we want someone to remedy this. So we reach out to folks. We post stories on Instagram. We tell people that we are hurting. We're doing what we can to let people know. So then we get the text messages, the phone calls. Are you okay? The, 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 the DMs. Hey, I just saw. Hey, I just saw. And we, we, we tend to use that as a remedy for our pain. And although God is waiting for us, God will not move unless we move. Now consider the relationship, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. The Bible says that they were his friend. So they could have waited for him to come around the way. They could have said, well, hold on, he'll eventually show up. We might run into him at the market. We might run into, you know what, let's tell so-and-so, and so-and-so can tell him. Because I don't feel like getting up. I'm in too much pain. We have to make a decision to come to God. The word decide, amen, is comprised of two words. The prefix D, which means to remove. This is where we get the words like dehumidify, decompress, decline. The word side means to kill off, which is how we have words like pesticide, homicide, genocide. So when you decide to come to God, you have decided to remove what is hurting you and kill off all other options. Matthew 11 says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Come to me. Come to me, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and I will find rest in, you will find rest in your souls. The word come 
Amen. And the word in, in James, draw an eye to God. He will draw an eye to you. The word come. The word draw. It's an invitation. God is not just saying that you've got to come to me. He's inviting you to come to him. Hallelujah. I am here to let you know, and this is something that we don't want to hear when we are hurting. This is something that we don't want to hear when we're in pain. But you have to participate in your healing. You have to participate in your healing. You have to make a decision to come to God. Why? Because faith without works is dead. We won't go to God so easily now as a result of these things that we've experienced. It's now much harder to go to church on Sunday. It's now much harder to log on to Zoom on Wednesday. It's now much harder to receive godly counsel. It's now much harder to reach out to your pastor, to your minister friend, to the people at church who love you, who pray for you, who look out for you. It's so much hard to go to them because we already know what we're going to hear. When they say that it's time to turn the page, it's time for you to uh, step into a new chapter, to write out a new chapter, a lot of times we won't do that. The reason being is because we know that once we turn the page, we know who won't be there. You see, because if you're still holding on to what was, you will never receive to what God has. You cannot accept new love when you're still harboring the pain from the old love. This is why you can't pour new wine into old wineskins. A lot of times we tend to think upon these things and we say things like, I wish, I wish, I wish. And God is saying, stop wishing and come. Come. Come unto me. I want you to know that in the midst of your disparity and in the midst of those times and those moments where you feel that you are alone, you need to know and understand because pain is a dark place. Pain is a dark place. The lights can be on. The sun is shining. But you feel so empty and cold. There is nothing that can put a smile on your face. No comment, no compliment. Not even your favorite prayer song or your favorite church song or your favorite worship song sometimes can do anything for you because you're so alone. The pain is so bad that it overshadows everything that's good in your life. But the Lord says this. He not only says that he will never leave us nor forsake us, but he also says that he is close to the brokenhearted. And he saves those who are crushed in spirit. And we wonder why the enemy, the enemy does all that he can to keep us from God. We wonder why, amen, he puts these things into our hearts and into our minds. And he tells us that we're not good enough. He tells us that we're not worthy enough. He tells us that God can't do it. We must become decided men and women. We must, hallelujah, decide to stop hurting and stop allowing the hurt to hindrance our lives. 
We've got to quit focusing on that relationship. And we have to look forward. We have to start to focus on the relationship that's going to come. Someone say amen. Now, when you come to God, you've got to tell God your pain. You've got to tell God your pain. So many people come to the altar and they stand and they weep and they cry and they're crying out to God and they're asking God to take away their pain and, and they're standing there and they're waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting. And then they walk back to their seats and they sit down. The pain is still there. They still feel broken. And they're sitting there thinking, why do I still feel this way? If How many of you have been in the house of God? How many of you have been in a powerful service and experienced a powerful move of God? And you go back to your seat and you ask yourself, why do I feel the same? How come I don't feel like that did anything for me? It wasn't God. It wasn't God. I want to remind you of the two blind men that were sitting on the roadside and they heard that Jesus was coming by. These blind men from where they were at in the midst of their blindness, in the midst of their darkness, the Bible says that they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them, and they told them to be quiet. But they shouted all the louder. The Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped, and he called them, and he said, what would you have for me to do for you? Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them, the Bible says. He touched their eyes. Immediately, they received their sight and followed him. You know that sometimes your cry has to be louder than your pain. You have to stop worrying about what people are going to think and say about you. You've got to be able to stand in the presence of God and say, Lord, I need you right now. God, the pain is so intense. I can't stand it anymore. Your cry has to be louder than your pain. We have to understand that if we don't confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts, God says that if you believe in your heart, amen, if you believe in your heart, he will do it. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, he will do it. Confess and believe. And you have to wonder why the enemy tries to shut you up with your pain. He tries to lie to you and tell you to keep your mouth shut. Just like the crowd did to the two blind men. Because he knows, amen, he knows that death and life are in the power of your tongue. That if you keep your mouth shut, nothing will happen. That if you don't call out the name of Jesus in the time of your disparity, in the time of your need, nothing will happen. Oftentimes, we are counseled, amen, because of what we carry, amen, and what we go through. And ultimately, the answer is prayer, right? But that's not what we want to hear sometimes. But Lord, I am praying. 
But are you confessing? But Lord, I am asking. But are you desperate? It's two different types of prayer. Confessing and believing. If we don't do these two things, we will remain crushed and broken. Our second point is that pain that you're experiencing. That pain that you're experiencing is going to give God glory. Now, now I know we talked about the pain. I know we talked about the experience of pain and what we have to do to relieve that pain. But do you know, do you know that what you are going through, that what you are experiencing, God has a purpose for that? Do you know that every failed relationship is not a failed relationship? Do you know that every broken relationship is not a broken relationship? That sometimes God will put people in your life for a moment. That sometimes God will allow things in your life to happen so you can learn. God, we don't want to hear that. Fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. What about temperance? Long-suffering. How do we learn if we don't experience pain? When Jesus heard that he said, when Jesus heard that, he said this sickness, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. It is hard to imagine that the pain that you carry and you experience can somehow have a purpose and it is intentional. And that one day that this purpose will give God glory. See, we have to understand that he already knew Lazarus was going to be sick. He already knew that Lazarus was going to die. Jesus already knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. We serve a God that knows our start and our finish and everything in between. He knew that the situation that you were in wasn't going to work out. He knew that the relationship was going to end in heartbreak. He knew we weren't going to listen. So he let us do it. Anyway, that love that we talked about at the beginning of, 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 of this sermon, that love, that unconditional love, do you know that God loves you so much that if he sees you heading for heartbreak, he'll step out of the way? Because God has given us free will. And we are free to make our own decisions. And sometimes the Lord is saying, you're asking, you're asking, you're asking, Fine, there you go. Because that is the only way sometimes that we will learn. And because we are, um, we are, um, 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 because are you, excuse me, because we are a habit in nature, right? We are habit in nature. Sometimes we continue to make the same mistakes over and over and over again. And the whole time God is standing there and he's waiting and he's waiting and he's waiting. And there we are carrying our heartbreak. There we are trying to make the relationship work. If we understand that he is the author and the finisher of our faith and that he has plans 
God has plans. You know he has plans for you? He has plans. Amen. He declares it in Jeremiah. He said that he has plans to prosper you and not to harm you, but plans of hope and of a future. So what happens, amen, when we allow ourselves to go through the process? Eventually, he will bring you that person. Eventually, he will bring that someone that's going to, amen, um, your, your soulmate. He's going to bring the one, your rib. He's going to bring your Adam. He's going to bring your Eve. And when he does, he's going to bring it together. And it's going to be so beautiful because what God brings two people together at the right time, it's a good thing. And there's a plan of prosperity and hope for each and every one of us. He says that it is good, it is not good for man to be alone. And I will make a helper suitable for him. He knows that while you're sitting there in your pain, wishing and wondering, he knows it's not good for you to be alone. But we keep making the same mistakes. We keep going to the same person because it's convenient. It's almost like going to the stove and your mom telling you when you were small, don't touch the fire, you're going to get burned. Don't touch the fire. I remember one time my mom kept telling me, my mom kept telling me, and my stubbornness and my hard-headedness, I'm still, the Lord's working uh, on me uh, on those things. But I went and I grabbed a little stool and I stepped up and I, I grabbed the pot and I picked it up. The steam hit my face. I dropped the, the, the lid of the pan. My arm just bubbled up. I mean, it, 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 you know how like when, uh, when you get a, a tortilla and you flip it, you know the bubbles that, that pop up, right? When you know that it's almost time to slap some, some butter on it and go to, right? So that's how my arm looked. My skin just started to bubble. And my mom says, I told you, David. I told you, David. God is saying the same thing sometimes. I told you, son. I told you, daughter. Because God is saying and God has said that it is not good for man to be alone from this, we can see clearly that God created man and woman to be together for companionship, for love, for friendship, and relationship. God has a good plan for us all. Everything that is good comes from God. James 1.17 reads, whatever is good and perfect comes from God. But we mess it up. We don't want to learn. We think that we know more than God because we're in love. Love can get you to do some really dumb things. I'm speaking from experience. It can get you to do some really dumb things, but you're in love. Everything's great. Everything's awesome. You're floating on cloud nine. You don't, need it. you don't even need to drink coffee in the morning. You're fired up on love, man. Nothing can get you down. Nothing can mess up your day. And then she stops calling you. <laughs> and then she decides to put you in the friend zone. And then your text messages go unread. Come on, you all know what I'm talking about. Huh? But there's hope for every one of us because God can take a bad relationship and create a greater relationship. And this will bring him glory. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are called according to his purpose. He will use your pain and the bad relationship. 
He will use them for two reasons, two quick reasons. Number one, to refine you. Isaiah 48, 10. See, I have refined you, though not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction, in the furnace of pain. A test is a situation that God sends or allows in our lives with the intention of revealing our loyalties, our motivations, character, commitment to him. Helping to purify, strengthen, and mature us. When successfully passed, this refining, this test will glorify God. Someone say amen. Number two, to keep you. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 6. For the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Punishment, God's way, is building us up and training us to keep us in his will. Help us to learn from our mistakes. This is not necessarily a sign of his displeasure, but of his discipline. Punishment is not the same punishment as we believe that it is. Punishment is correction that will not crush you. Why won't it crush us? Because he loves you. Through this pain and suffering, God will be glorified by your healing because you're made whole again. He will be glorified through your repentance because you have been made well again. He will be glorified through your resurgence because you have been made strong again. And he will be glorified through your deliverance because you have been made free again. All of these things will bring him glory at the right time and the right place. But who here truly believes that it's easy to trust God's timing. Show of hands. No takers. It is the hardest thing for us to trust God's timing. Especially when you're in pain. Especially when you're longing for relationship. When you're longing for friendship. Mijo, keep praying. It'll happen. Mija, keep going to church. Keep wearing your velo at the top of your head so the brother could see it and he knows that you pray. Keep going. It'll be okay. It'll be, keep going. We don't want to hear that. We don't want to hear those things. Now when Jesus, Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Two more days. In Ecclesiastics, the Bible says that there's a time for everything. Amen? There's a time to heal, a time to cry, a time to die. Not in that order, but a time to laugh. There's a time for everything. But it doesn't tell us when, who, or why. Or even how. It just says that there's a time. This is where we find our struggle. Jesus loved Mary and Martha Lazarus so much that when he heard that he was sick, he stayed where he was in two days for two days. Now that might sound like a contradict, uh, 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 contrary to his love for them. Why would he stay? Why wouldn't God rush to their aid? Why wouldn't God drop everything as soon as he he found out that his friend was sick? Why didn't he rush to him? Well, so I thought about it. And I figured, well, he already knew this was going to happen, so why go? But then God already knew that Lazarus was sick. And God already knew that Lazarus was going to die. So on God's time, there was no need to rush. 
But because Mary and Martha were in pain, their time was, we need God now. We need him, we need him to come right now. Now, how do we think Martha and Mary felt? God didn't move. He didn't budge. They were upset. They might have been mad. They might have been walking away talking to each other. See, we, we wasted our time. Why did we even bother coming to tell our friend? He's not worried about us. He's not concerned about Lazarus. He's not really our friend. They don't really love you. You don't need to go to church on Sunday. Don't need to read your word. You don't need to pray. It's not going to work. And Jesus, when he arrived, when he finally decided to, when he showed up, he arrived, he found that Lazarus was already dead in the tomb for four days. Logically, it makes sense. He knew he was going to die. He waited. Then I remembered in Matthew 14, 25, when the disciples were on the boat and they were being tossed by the waves and the wind was contrary. And the Bible said that on the fourth watch. Shortly before dawn, when the storm was at its worst, Jesus showed up. On the fourth day, Jesus showed up. In, in Jewish culture, they believe that after the third day when somebody has died, it is impossible for them to be brought back. It is impossible for someone to die and three days be dead and on the fourth day rise again. It is impossible. By the fourth day, the body is already decomposed. Medically, it says that the inside of the body is already starting to deteriorate and eat. The bacteria is already starting to eat itself from the outside, from the inside out. By the fourth day, there is no way possible that a man or a woman can be resurrected but I thank God that I serve a God that can do the impossible I thank God that I serve a God that can do the impossible the reason why he showed up on the fourth day was so that he would not only receive the glory, but that the testimony and the words that will come out of Lazarus' mouth, as we heard later, was that it is undeniably God. That we cannot credit or contribute our own actions or our own words or what we read or what we heard to the healing of our heartbreak. God shows up when we feel like we are out of time, but God shows up on time. Our trust must be firmly on the word of God. And we must stand on his promises because God is faithful to his word. Now that God has showed up, the Bible says that, um, Ricky, come up. The Bible says that God had a heart-to-heart -heart with Martha. Through the pain, through the agony, the Bible says that when he showed up, that Martha ran to him. And she said, God, if you were only here, 
If you would have just showed up a day before, if you would have just showed up an hour before, if you would have just showed up last week when I was in church and I was crying my eyes out and everybody was looking at me and, and my eyes were swollen from crying and I was giving you all that I had. That's right. That's what it sounds like. If you would have just been here, God, my brother, he probably still would have been alive. And the Lord said that when he saw her, he saw her distress, he saw her pain. The Bible said that he wept. He cried. Do you know that sometimes, or I shouldn't say sometimes, because God is close to the brokenhearted, do you know that your pain will cause God to weep? Because it's not his will for us to hurt. He made heaven for you. Do we understand that? He said, I go to prepare a place for you. God hears when you cry. can cause God to weep. And he says, where's Mary? Because when he showed up, she didn't get up. The Bible says she stayed in the house. You know, sometimes God is calling and tugging at your heart, but you won't move because you're mad. Why is he going to show up now? My brother died already. Why is he going to show up now? relationship is over. That person left. I'm already hurt. The Bible says that when she heard her name, she ran. But when she got to God, she fell to his feet. She was exhausted. She was tired. And the Lord turns to Mary, excuse me, Martha. Hey, you know, I don't know about you, but when I read this portion of scripture, it reminded me of the countless times where I had these heart-to-heart -heart conversations with God. Being in the car, Brother Mario, by myself, driving to work, driving home, just talking to God. God, it hurts. I don't know what to do with this pain. God, I, I'm going to wait for you, but I don't know how much longer I can wait. He turns to Martha. He tells Martha, Martha, do you believe? Specifically, he tells Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Do, do you feel that? You, the ones that believe in me will live even though they die. 
And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Martha says, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah. You can stand. Martha says, I believe you are the Son of God who is to come into the world. After we come to God, we confess to God, and we understand that one day our pain will be used to glorify God. The last question that God has for us is, do you believe? Do you believe that I'll heal? Do you believe that I'll answer? You know, sometimes growing up, I would often wonder why things in my life were so extreme. How when things would happen to other people, it just happened. But when it happened to me, it was like everything happened. It just wasn't one thing. It was one thing and then something else and then something else and then something else. And you know, sometimes I thought that maybe there was something wrong with me. Maybe I'm not doing this right. And as I matured in the Lord and as I learned to understand these things, that things will work out for the good for those who love him, that even the bad things that happen, eventually God is going to use them for our good. As I understood this and, I, and as I began to uh, grow into a, a young man and then now till finally a man, I now understand. Because, you know, gentlemen, we pray for someone that God will bring us someone to help us in ministry. But where do you think you're going to find her? In ministry. She's going to be busy working. Gentlemen, uh, women, you say the same thing. You want a strong man of God. A man who prays, a man who loves you. A man who will throw out the trash without you asking him a hundred times to do it. Where do you think he's going to be? In ministry. So I say all of that to say this. Because of those extremities, because of that pain and because of that heartbreak, I now understand that because of those experiences, God has given me the insight, the understanding of how to reach the person who's addicted. Because my father was addicted and God healed him. I can speak to the homeless because for a long period of time, I didn't have a home to call my own. I can speak to the person who has nothing in the bank account because most of my life, that's just how life was. And I can also speak to the person who has plenty 
Because now, my cup runneth over. I can speak to the person who's been praying for a blessing because now my life is blessed. I can pray for the person that needs to hear a word from God because now his word is hidden in my heart. So as you stand there and close your eyes with me, if there is pain in your heart, if there is broken relationships in your past, and maybe these things you haven't confronted. Maybe these things you haven't dealt with. Maybe it's just easier to ignore these things. God is making an invitation to you today. Come unto me. I'll heal your broken heart. I'll remove the pain. I'll remove, amen, the suffering of those past relationships and I will prepare your heart for a new one I will prepare your mind to receive what now you will know and understand is true love I will give you the wisdom to deal with difficult people and at the same time love them 